which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. The early church, Paul is warning the church in Ephesus. I have to look up once more. Are we there? Okay. I got these little signs that come up periodically when I don't do what I'm supposed to do. Um, Paul's warning the early church that they need to stay true to the Word of God. That the men who are shepherding the flocks need to be faithful to teach the Word of God. And that there will be deceiving spirits, ones who will come in and teach things that are contrary to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit teaches and speaks to the teachers and today in our time and I don't know we don't have, we don't have cable we don't have TV we, we have a TV but we don't watch TV so I don't know who all's on TV today but I can tell you from some of the stuff I've seen on the internet and when we had TV I can tell you there's a lot of stuff going on in the name of God in the name of church that is not true to the gospel not true to the Word of God. When we were in Africa, I don't remember what year we went, 05, 06, we went to Africa, and you would go into the malls and you would hear sermons being played through the PA systems of somebody that was really highly revered in Africa that you and I know in this country is not preaching the truth of the Word of God. The largest church in the United States today, the pastor wife got up in the pulpit recently and made a proclamation of what the purpose of the church was and it was definitely contrary to the word of God. So it's happening today but Paul was even warning back then in the early church that these things will happen and in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 it says the spirit or the Holy Spirit expressly or explicitly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. We're seeing that today. We're seeing that in a lot of churches around the world, people are not staying true to what the Word of God says, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy. You have to you have to remember when Scripture was written, we didn't have chapter and verse, so. It just it ties into deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy. They're energized. There's a mystery of godliness. If we would go back to chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. That hidden truth. God was manifested in the flesh justified in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Wow, there's so much there. 
But you know, Satan's at work today. I can tell you, as a pastor, he's at work. He's alive and well. He doesn't want us to be here. How many of you thought about not coming to church this morning? I told you in Sunday school, if Mike hadn't been out of town and Jim hadn't been sick, I might have called in sick this morning. Seriously, you know, but I thought, no, that is just something Satan, Satan doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want you to be here. And he'll do everything that he can to distract you. That's why I think sound systems are so much fun. Because they, they're a distraction when they don't work right. Projectors that don't work right distractions, any of those things. But Satan is alive and well. He's an imitator. Look at 2 Corinthians 11. Hope you got your fingers warmed up this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Satan's an imitator. Why do we sin? Why do, why do we sin? What, no matter what it is, why do we sin? It looks good. That's right. If if sin was ugly, which we know it is, but if it looked ugly, we wouldn't do it, would we? But it looks good. Satan, and when we talk, we're going to talk not this week, but next week on Sunday night about the fall. What do you think that serpent looked like when he tempted Eve? Was he ugly? Was he, did he look like a timber rattler? All coiled up, ready to strike? Absolutely not. Says he's an imitator. He has his ministries and doctrines and seeks to deceive God's people and lead them astray. Second Corinthians eleven three. I fear lest someone as the serpent deceive Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, sometimes we, we want to make the gospel, we want to make salvation so difficult. Christ didn't make it difficult. He made it easy. It wasn't easy for him, but it was easy for us. But it says, I fear lest some of Somehow, as the serpent may see me by his craftiness, so your mind may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The first test of any religious doctrine is what it says about Jesus Christ. Look at 1 John. Chapter 4.
First John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. But this you know, the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God, he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us, but this we know, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You know, I tell, I, I'll tell you, and I tell everybody, don't believe everything I say if it's not from the Word of God. Test it against what the Word of God says. Because you know what, I'm human. I make mistakes. We've got God's Word that teaches us the truth. I love, I love to hear pages turning. I know some, some of you use electronic things, so I don't hear the pages turning, but check it out against God's Word. When you hear something that's being taught, it says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Test what you hear. Does it match up to God's Word? What does it say about who Jesus Christ is? Sometimes it might shock you, but Satan uses professing Christians in the church to accomplish his work. And Paul warned that false teachers would arise from within the church. Look at the early church back in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 30. It says, Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Paul was warning way back in the early church about false teaching. And back in 1 Timothy 4, they lead people astray. Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Their goal is to seduce people and get them to depart from the faith. The word is apostasy. And that word is defined as a willful turning away from the truth of the Christian faith. False teachers will try, try to build up a church or relate people to Jesus Christ in a deeper way through false teaching. And we see it over and over in Scripture. And we see it today. But instead of leading people to Christ, they're going to lead them away to false the fall of Satan. Remember the, the group that where they all drank poison punch? Jim Jones, right. You know, other groups. You know, you know where the, the largest percentage of converts to Mormonism comes from today? What group? Somebody said it, but you're shy. Baptist churches. Why? Because a lot of Baptists don't know what they believe. And they're easily deceived. We're talking 
in Sunday school about the family, family of God. They make it look really good, don't they? But they don't teach the truth of the Word of God. And we've known, we've known young people that grew up in the church were really solid that have fallen away. Enjoyed that. Instead, they want to get disciples to follow them, join their groups, and promote their programs. I'm not a big one on programs. I think we need to have some, but not big into a whole lot of programs because I think it has a tendency to take us away from looking at the truth of Scripture and doing what God's called us to do. There's a difference between true church and a religious cult. A true church seeks to win converts to Jesus Christ and to build them up spiritually. What are we supposed to do? Matthew chapter 20, all the world. Preach the gospel. But then it says, you train all things as commandments. And what does a cult do? They proselyze, they steal converts from others and make them servants of the leaders of the cult. There's false teaching that goes on all over. The way what you hear in church is what scripture teaches you. Verse 2 in 1 Timothy 4 says, Speaking lies and hypocrisy, they'll know them by their fruits. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravaging wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. People want to know what we believe. When we talk to, when we talk to people, they want to know what Scripture says. They want to know that we believe what Scripture says. And that's how we're going to build up the true church. False teachers preach one thing, but they practice another. I shared with you a few weeks ago about a church I was reading about that was disciplined by their denomination because the pastor changed his stand on Mary. And what does God's word say? Go by what God's word says. Um, having their consciences seared. 1 Timothy 4, 2, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own consciences, conscience seared with hot irons. Um, you seen the very highly paid or even college players that are branded these days. You seen any of the, the scarring from that? They actually, all the watch for the basketball. These guys got these big old burns. They're, they're tattoos, but they're they're burned in their like a brand. And the same thing happens to false teachers. They they get scarred from 
conscience is being seared with a, like a hot iron. They don't even realize that they're speaking lies. They're seared. And that word seared is cauterized. You know, the, the flesh could be branded. So can your soul. Um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. We talked a little bit about what do we look like. We talked several times what do we look like to the people outside. Um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Back in 21 it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. What do we look like? We talked a little bit about that in Sunday school this morning. What do we look like to the people outside here? Does Christ shine through our lives? An apostate is not just wrong doctrinally, he's wrong morally. Um, his personal life becomes wrong before his doctrine were changed. And I told you when we were looking at the deacons, if a pastor changes his stand, on an issue that's sin, clearly sin in the Bible, is probably because he's doing it. And he will have been doing it before he changes his stand on it. Um, I have to be very careful. We don't change what Scripture says in our teaching. Verse, 1 Timothy 4, 3 says, Forbidden to marry commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. When we look at our the way we do church, gather together as believers, what we need to look at is our foundation. We need to look at the Word of God. And I know that because we're governed by some rules of the government, we have to have certain things in our Constitution to keep us legal as a, as a, as a church. 
but we can't change what Scripture says. And if you, and I've, I've been reading the Gospels this week in my daily reading, and it's really interesting if you look at that, how many things the religious leaders did in Christ's time that were, they were trying to change the truth or adding to it. Well, this is what the Bible says, but we want to add these rules to this. We add the rules to this. A lot of that's legalism. You know, it's like one of the job descriptions for the pastor. Somebody will put this on your job description. My pastor works here on something. Is that right? Some of you aren't sure. A couple of you know it. That's not that. That would be legalism. Or, what translation do we use? Or, we can only do songs that are in the hymnal. I I know pastors that will say the only song. I know a pastor, a young kid from an inner city, tough neighborhood, got saved in his church. After big African American kid, he went to him. He said, Pastor, he said, I know that I'm saved now, and I'm really struggling with the kind of music that I listen to. He said, because I know what I was listening to was not honoring, you know, wasn't right. He used a lot of big words. He said, wasn't right. What can I listen to now? You know what that pastor's response to this brand new baby Christian was? If it's not from the hymnal, it's from Satan. Is what he told this young man. That young man was never seen in that church again. What's God's word say? Doesn't say it has to be from Him. We can't change what the truth of Scripture is. I think it says sing praises to His name. That's it. Colossians chapter two. dealing with false doctrines in his letter to the church uh, to the Colossi church in chapter 2 verse 8 it said beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions according to the traditions of men according to the base, basic principle of the world and not according to Christ for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead boldly, and we are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. And it goes on if you want to read on to the end of the chapter. He's dealing with this issue. But I think it's interesting that even back then, that he, he warns about being cheated. Cheat, anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men. We do communion on the first Sunday, right? Because that's what the Bible says to do it, right? When do we do communion, Pat? You know, whenever we feel like it. This do in remembrance of me. You know, as a kid, nobody ever explained ever explained to me why this is on the table. Nobody ever explained that. 
When do we do communion? As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He doesn't say you got to do it on the first Sunday of the month. Well, actually, we we were in a church, um, and their constitution says that they'll do communion on the first Wednesday night of the month. The constitution of the church says that. And I'm like, it's not scriptural. Where Sharon's brother goes to church, you know when they do communion? 9.45 every Sunday morning of the year. They have a service. It's called the Breaking of Bread service. And it's a communion service where it's a praise testimony time communion every Sunday. Now, are they right and we're wrong? Or are we right and they're wrong? Man's tradition. Yeah, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we do this in remembrance of him until he returns. Scripture is pretty clear what we should do. Well, how about the false teachers that taught you can't be married? Says 1 Timothy 4, verse 3, forbidding to marry. Is that scriptural? You've been in here on Sunday night. You better have the right answer. No. When was when was marriage ordained? In the garden. God, that's some God did. It's not a man-made thing, it's a God thing. But here there's they're saying forbidden to marry. God says it's not good for man to be alone. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. So what did he do? Jesus put his seal of approval in Matthew chapter 19. Let's go there. Matthew chapter 19, verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to a region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to him, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, Become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And they said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wife. But from the beginning, it was not so. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery, and whoever marries her, who is divorced, commits adultery. God's pretty clear on, on his stand. But is everybody supposed to marry? Verse 10 of that same chapter says, His disciples said, 
And such is the case of the man with his wife. It is better not to marry them. And he said to them, All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. Paul affirmed it in 1 Corinthians. Um, every person should follow the will of God in this matter. But God would We need to be very careful with anyone who teaches with God's institution of marriage, what we say about marriage. Beware of any false teachers that corrupt the truth of creation. I'm a literal creationist. I've been here on Sunday nights. We started out, I love Genesis chapter 1 of creation, and I believe that it's the way God said it is. Um, here we see that Forbid to marry, forbid to eat some foods. Well, that's not what God said. Um, God called his creation good. Not just once, but in Genesis chapter 1, verse 10, verse 12, verse 18, verse 21, and 25. He said his creation was good. Who says we can't eat food? Those who believe 1 Timothy 4, 3, the last part of the verse says, well, forbidden marriage, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to receive with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. We know the truth. I'm not impressed with do's and don'ts of legalism. I grew up in a church where the preacher beat the pulpit. Somebody, Mike was talking about some, one of the great evangelists used to actually break pulpits and give them so hard. But I grew up in a Hellfire, brimstone, pulpit, pumping church where there was no smoking, drinking, dancing, or running around with women to do. I mean, I that's how we grew up. That was, you know, never explained why, but that was what we were taught growing up. No smoking, drinking, dancing, running around with women to do. And uh, you don't think that made a real, you know, all these years later, but it's not true to God's word, some of those things. But um, we need to stay true. Uh, in Mark chapter 7, Jesus states all food is clean. And he taught this lesson again to Peter in Acts chapter 10 and reaffirmed it through Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Is there anything we can't eat? No, Jim can't. But it's not because God didn't say it's okay. It's because your body can't. There's some things I can't eat because of my body, the way it's what it's going to do right now. But it's not because God forbid us to eat. It's everything that we made. He said was okay for us. I had an interesting discussion. The hospital I was in last year was uh, anybody know Loma Linda, California? Know anything about Loma Linda? Loma Linda is a seven they had Venice. If you're in government there, you're part of the Seventh Day Adventist Church. They're so big. Uh, there's Loma Linda Medical, Loma Linda Heart, Loma Linda Children's, and Loma Linda VA. And they're all within blocks of each other. And they share they share doctors between each other. Because most of the people that work there live in that area. And that's who some of my nurses work. 
And I had a very interesting discussion with one of them one day, and she she found out I was a pastor, so she was trying to, now I'm laying in the hospital, but I can't do a whole lot of freaking to her, but I had a great, really fun time with her. Well, we can't eat this, we can't eat that. And I said, well, God's word says that all things are okay for us to eat. She said, well, we do have some Seventh-day Adventists are vegetarians, the really strict ones. And I said, you have me? She said, yeah. I said, well, what can't you eat? And she went back to the law. It was really interesting. She could quote Old Testament law of what they couldn't eat. And I said, well, what about in the New Testament? Where God says it's okay for us to eat it. She said, well, that's probably okay for you, but not for us. And I'm like, they, they know they know what Scripture says, but they don't believe. Okay. Yeah, there's probably some of that stuff that we should we shouldn't use that freedom though. if it affects a weaker brother it causes another brother to stumble 1st Timothy chapter 4 Verse 5 says, For it is sanctified or set apart by the word of God and prayer. Paul reminded Timothy of his great responsibility to study, to teach, to preach scripture, and to spend time in prayer. You know, when I was joking with you earlier about writing a job scripture. That should be in your job description. You go home and write one today. Bring it back tonight. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in God's Word. I love my. I'm an old time Southern Gospel guy. I like old time Southern Gospel music. And I put on a DVD every morning in the living room. I get my feet up in my chair with my cup of coffee. And I spend time writing. Daily. I ask God to show me something new every day. You know what? He does that. It's not new, but He shows me something every day that I, I can learn from. I love to just sit. Sometimes I'll just share things. I fall asleep in the chair sometimes, but sometimes I just stop and take a, a few moments to pray. God will bring somebody to my mind or something to my mind that I need to pray about. It sometimes takes a long time to get through one daily reading. It's because, do we all need that? Not just me. All of us need that. We need time in God's Word, time of prayer, just spending time every day. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the word of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. You need to know that there are people out there that are teaching contrary to God's word. You can probably go home. I don't know what time they're on, but you can probably go home and turn on your TV and find religious programming today. 
where if you match it up to scripture, it's not true. They're teaching false thanks to God's word. But you need to be warned. We need to major in the church on the full counsel of God. Acts chapter 20. chapter 20 verse 27 where it says for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God some people don't want to go to church and have their toes stepped on they want me to make feel good you know what if every time you come in here I make you feel good and you go home feeling so good I haven't done my job I'm not teaching you the whole counsel of God sometimes you know what happens when you see me moving like this, sometimes I'm stepping on my toes. I might step on yours, but I might step on my own. Because I need to be reminded too. You've got to teach the whole council, not just the fun parts. We can't ignore the we can't ignore the hard stuff. As you're traveling down the road, so when you travel to work in the morning. You see a sign that says Morgantown, 17 miles. I don't know how far it is. How far is it up there? To the parking lot. Okay. But you, and, then, and I know, I know for a fact that when you get close, when you get off the freeway and you head down the hill and you, you make that left-hand turn, there's a sign that says hospital. And I don't know what it says. It was too dark when I was there Wednesday, but... You go a little bit farther, there's another sign that says, go this way for this, or this way for this. What do we do with those signs? You read them. They give you direction. And sometimes, we don't want to read the signs, but guess what? What if there's a sign that says, bridge is out, and we ignore that sign? We're going to be in big trouble, aren't we? You'd never do that, would you, Ron? couple times. Huh? We have to obey all the road signs or we need to look at them because trust me I'm out there in my car too and I know that sometimes we don't all follow the rules of that one little sign that tells us how fast you're that the suggested speed. Y'all drive fast out here. Of course for us it doesn't, you know, we don't it's not really fast, but it's faster than what we expected it to be. But we've got to be careful with the road signs. Same thing with God's Word. We need to watch the road signs of God's Word to know right and wrong what we're to be doing daily. I need to teach the whole counsel of God so that you'll know what's right and what's wrong what the doctrine is, and how to expose false teaching. You don't know what God's Word said is right. How do you know when you're hearing something's wrong? We've got to be true to the Word of God. Verse 7. 
verse 6, if you instruct the brother in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and the good doctrine that you may carefully follow. Each one of us needs to carefully follow what the Word of God says. It's my desire to be a good teacher, help guide each one of us. Because you know what? I, I learned so much going over and over it to make sure that I understand what it says before it is. One thing I do know is the Lord's coming back. We need to be ready. We don't know the day nor the hour that the Lord is returning. When we look around and we see what's happening in the world, we've got to believe. Father, we just thank you for this morning, our time together this morning in your word. Father, help each one of us to weigh the truth of scripture against what we hear. Father, that we know that you've laid down your word, things for us to follow, proper doctrine should be with each other, Father, as we look at our family, family of God, your family, Father, how we treat each other, Father, how we act around those outside of the church, Father, it's our desire to see people come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray this morning that if there's someone here that's not sure where they would spend eternity, if you were to come back today, and they're not sure where they would spend eternity. They would come talk to me this morning and tell me thank you. Sure they would know for sure. Father, just thank you that you sent your son so many years ago to die on the cross to take the penalty and punishment for our sins. Stand together and